Good morning, Havana. Good afternoon, Nikosha. And good evening, Kathmandu from Washington, D.C. I'm Ethan Plotkin, and this is Intrigue Out Loud, your go-to audio guide to the globe. On today's show, I'm joined by Intrigue's Anya Stapleton to discuss a record surge of migrant arrivals to the U.S. and how countries are welcoming the new British king. It's all coming up. Morning, Anya. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Just marveling at how much more professional this is than my college dating what? show. Nice work. <laughs> well, all right, we can leave that to the side. You're gonna have to tell us about that another time. But uh, let's. We are talking about you today in a weird way because, by coincidence, both of our stories today track some of the places that you've lived over the years. Uh, we'll start with your your current place of residence. Uh, the great state of Texas. So what's the story here? Yeah, this actually takes us not just to Texas, but all four U.S. states that share a border with Mexico. To be fair, the Texas-Mexico border is 60% of the whole thing. So the story here is that last week, President Biden announced plans to send 1,500 active-duty troops to the U.S.-Mexico border ahead of an expected surge in migrant arrivals. They'll be joining Border Patrol agents and around 2,500 National Guard troops stationed at the border through October. This deployment of U.S. Marines and Army personnel will be more temporary, though, and is only currently scheduled to last for 90 days. This isn't the first president, though, that has sent active duty troops to the border. It does mark a pretty significant shift for President Biden. Okay, so so what's happening or, or what does the administration expect to happen over the next 90 days that led to this policy shift? Yeah, so on Thursday of this week, May 11th, the U.S. pandemic emergency is going to end after more than three years. Kind of hard to believe it's been three years since COVID started. Yeah. I guess I should probably stop wearing my pajamas all day, <laughs> uh, but not making any changes so far. This pandemic emergency has given the government all sorts of new powers to shape national health policy, support welfare programs. But most importantly, it gave the federal government new ways to manage migration issues. For President Trump, this was a great opportunity to follow through on promises he made about migration on the campaign trail. He invoked an executive order called Title 42 in March 2020. Essentially, Title 42 has just allowed Border Patrol agents to turn back hundreds of thousands of migrants without processing their claims inside the U.S. This has been a pretty good deterrent for a lot of migrants. And But now it's ending, right? I mean, this, this was a pandemic emergency order, and that pandemic emergency is over. Exactly right, Ethan. And officials expect the number of arrivals to spike as a result. For reference, Border Patrol agents apprehended around 5,000 or so migrants each day in March. By April, they've been apprehending around 7,000 each day. It's kind of hard to think about. But when Title 42 ends this week, officials are estimating that there will be up to 13,000 migrants attempting to cross the border each day. And Border Patrol just can't come close to safely processing and housing that many people in a single day. They don't have the resources. I think regardless of politics, people are recognizing that this is a pretty serious crisis. Right. And by and large, by an enormous margin, we should say, these are people who are escaping their home countries, often where their lives have been threatened in search of a better life in the U.S. Yeah, you can't forget that point. I mean, one of the things that has been so notable about migration over the past few years is just how much the origin of migrants has changed. In the past, 
The majority of migrants seeking asylum at the border were from Mexico, but these days people are arriving from everywhere. We've seen record numbers of people from what's called the Northern Triangle, Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, where gang violence has significantly increased. We've seen record arrivals from Haiti and elsewhere in the Caribbean, and an unprecedented number of people from South America, specifically Venezuela, where political turmoil has led to one of the world's largest refugee crises. Lastly, people are also coming from all over the world, Ukraine, Russia, China, seeking asylum at the U.S.-Mexico border rather than waiting to have their claims processed elsewhere. I think all of this goes to show that migration is brought about by many circumstances, and the reasons are often much more complex than we might assume. It's unlikely you're going to make such a significant journey without a good reason. Right. It's the product of instability. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. And as much as we'd like to hope that gang violence, political instability, and emerging challenges like climate change will just disappear, there's a pretty good chance that they'll be here to stay for a lot longer. And the U.S. remains a really desirable place for people to try to migrate to. Deterrence like Title 42 don't really change that fact. That means American politicians will have to keep investing not only in border measures that keep migrants safe and help officials process claims more quickly, but also think about ways to make the regions more stable. One encouraging sign is that the administration has worked with countries across Latin America to set up processing centers that will help migrants make claims without making the dangerous journey to the U.S. But more certainly can be done. Today's show is sponsored by Highland Titles. If you're looking for an internationally intriguing gift, this is the one for you. Lawmakers in Scotland legally recognized souvenir plots of land in 1979. These gift-sized plots of land can be bought and sold with ease. And Highland Titles has been selling these plots since 2006, inviting customers to style themselves as lord or lady of their estate. The land is managed as a nature reserve, and thousands of people find their plots yearly, Prices start at only $50. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more. All right, welcome back. So Anya, off to another place that's near and dear to your heart. Yes, indeed. Off to London. Quite the change from London to Austin. But <laughs> King Charles had his coronation on Saturday. As you know, there was a grand procession, beautiful throne, glowing crown. Everything we possibly could have expected for the first coronation of a British monarch in almost 70 years. Everything and more. Everything and more, really. Yes. Yes. Here's the thing, though. It's not just the United Kingdom. You know, England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, they got a new king. King Charles is now also the head of state in 14 countries around the world. How, how could that be, exactly? Ethan, 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 the Commonwealth realm. <laughs> Don't forget about the Commonwealth realm. Uh. <laughs> These are countries that were once British colonies and have decided for any number of reasons to retain the monarch as their head of state. They're actually from all corners of the world. I mean, Charles is now the head of the state of Papua New Guinea. I had to look up how to say that. New Zealand, Canada, Jamaica, list goes on. But it's really just symbolic. I mean, these countries all have parliaments and elected officials that are responsible for making law within their borders. In other words... Charles is just the head of state and not the head of government. There have been instances where the monarchy or one of its representatives has interfered with political affairs 
of its dependencies, most notable of which is 1975, when the monarch's governor general in Australia sacked the sitting prime minister, who is now simply known as the dismissal. A lot of Australians obviously not very happy about this. I'd imagine not. I mean, it does sound like a, a great name for, for a TV show, The Dismissal, but a, a fairly upsetting thing to happen inside your body politics. So why not just leave the Commonwealth realm then and become a republic? You know, countries have over the years, especially after World War II, nearly 20 countries elected to abandon the monarchy, India and Pakistan most notably. Then there was another wave in the 1970s, a bunch of small Caribbean islands. Another country left in 1992. But most recently, and we actually covered this in Intrigue, Barbados elected to become a republic in 2021. As for the rest, I think they have largely kept the British monarch as a sovereign out of a sense of tradition and loyalty just to Queen Elizabeth. But now Queen Elizabeth is gone. There's a new monarch in charge. Yeah, and this could spell more trouble for the crown than even uh, Prince Harry's book, The Spare. Australia has already replaced the British monarch on its currency, which is a sign of some growing distance. New Zealand's prime minister outwardly said this week that he hopes his country will soon become independent. As for the Caribbean, those countries are strongly considering a move away from the monarch. Jamaica is actually holding a referendum on the issue in the next few years. It doesn't mean that the influence of the crown, not just the TV show, will completely go away, though. Charles leads another group of 56 countries called the Commonwealth of Nations. It's fairly powerless politically, but it helps the British monarchy stay relevant around the world. I think more and more, that's where the monarchy is going. Politically powerless, increasingly controversial, but still a symbol that some people hold near and dear. We all need those. Thanks, Anya. Thanks, Ethan. Had a good time being on today. Here are a couple other stories we're tracking today. In an expletive-laden video address on Friday, the head of Russia's Wagner mercenary group promised to pull out of the city of Bakhmut on the 10th of May after failing to receive enough ammunition. Wagner's leadership have been feuding with Russia's military for months. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida promised to send financial support to Mozambican forces fighting an insurgency in that country's northeast. A Japanese conglomerate has a 20% stake in a gas project in the region that's been stalled since 2021. And that's going to do it for me. By the way, it's with a heavy heart that we're reporting today, mere days after the coronation of King Charles, that former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been arrested. Well, sort of. Check out the International Intrigue newsletter to see how it happened. In the meantime, I'm Ethan Plotkin. See you on Wednesday.